This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. So that's an interesting way to start the show. Here's how I'm going to introduce my guest by blindly panicking and somehow coming on. Everybody, this is Patrick. Um, <laughs> Hello, everybody. Can you hear me? I think everybody can hear you. That was a that was fairly surreal. It's it's. I've got so warm that I've taken my hat off. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading! This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. In union news, Daniel Kabede has been elected leader of the National Education Union. The union is the largest teachers union and has been at the forefront of industrial action over teachers' pay in recent months. Mr Kabede said in a statement, after taking 69% of the vote to win the election, I am honoured to have been elected as General Secretary. I would like to thank everyone who has supported and campaigned for me. He went on to talk about the need for fundamental change in education and that this included an end to real terms pay cuts, an end to massive overwork of staff, the end of punitive Ofsteds and an increase in school funding. He also thanked current Joint General Secretaries Kevin Courtney and Dr Mary Bowstead for their inspiring leadership over the last six years. They will step down at the end of August. The BBC reports that, according to a leaked government document, almost a quarter of teachers in England are working 12-hour days, with around 60% of teachers saying they were doing 60 hours a week or more. The research by the Department for Education was carried out during spring 2022, but the findings have not been officially made public. Education Secretary Gillian Keegan has said that a new task force will be created to help reduce teachers' workload by an average of five hours per week. The leak comes as teaching unions consult members in England on a new pay offer, which includes the promise to reduce workload. The leaked document, marked confidential and given the title Working Lives of Teachers and Leaders, was produced by the DfE to examine issues around teacher supply, recruitment and retention. More than 11,000 teachers and leaders across primary and secondary were questioned. The report found one in four teachers were considering leaving the state sector within the next 12 months. Workload was the key factor in this decision. Three quarters said they spent too much time on paperwork. Two thirds of leaders said they spent too much time responding to government policy changes. One in five said they had low satisfaction in their working life, 
whilst almost a half rated their anxiety levels as high. Almost three quarters of teachers described their workload as unacceptable. Dr Mary Baustead of the NEU accused ministers of withholding important information from the peer review body, although the government denied this. A spokesperson for the government insisted that the recent pay offer of 4.3% plus a £1,000 one-off payment was fair and reasonable. The Department for Education has released an update on the .gov.uk website focusing on the review of the way relationship, sex and health education is delivered. The update comes after a number of stories across media outlets prompted concern and outrage from some quarters and claims that hysteria is being whipped up by right-wing agitators from others. RSHE education has been compulsory for pupils in primary schools since September 2020. In secondary schools, relationships and sex education must be taught. The review, which will be completed by an expert panel, will focus on how to ensure pupils have access to age-appropriate information and how to place protection from pupils being introduced to things that they are too young to understand properly. The panel will also consider how age ratings can be introduced for different parts of the curriculum. The review will be completed before the end of 2023. As we approach Easter, the debate about supporting families who receive support through free school meals should be supported in holiday times and it's opened up again. The big issue raises concerns that despite the cost of living crisis, many families will go without support until term begins again. In what it calls a postcode lottery for support, many families will miss out as current funding largely depends on where you live. In England, the government is not directly funding free school meals over the Easter break, but support may be available if local councils decide to provide meals or vouchers. Many councils are relying on the holiday activities and food programme to support low-income families. In Scotland, some councils are offering free school meals payments to low-income families, but universal free school meals for children in primary one to five will not be available. There is some support available, but it varies by council, as does the amount of support being offered. The Welsh Government has made free meals available throughout the holiday period. The Government in Wales announced that £9 million has been provided to support eligible pupils with a free meal up to the end of May half term, including all bank holidays. The support will take the form of meal vouchers, money or packed lunches. In Northern Ireland, no free school meal provision is available. The previous holiday hunger payments of £27 per fortnight ceased on April 1st. A Department for Education spokesperson said it was because additional ring-fenced funding had ended, but campaigners focusing on food poverty said the decision was abhorrent. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Patrick Jackson, um, I, I didn't give you a proper introduction there, so how about, why don't you introduce yourself to us? I'm sure you do a better job than I just did. Well, thank you very much, Harry. I'm traumatised by this last five minutes uh, and feeling very shaky indeed, having <laughs> an image of I was the only person in the world who couldn't hear my own interview. Um, but yes, hello, I'm Patrick. I am Patrick Jackson. I live in Dublin. Um, I'm uh, the founder of a programme called Picker Pals. I've had a 30-year, 25-year uh career in education, mainly in language education. Um, I'm uh, happy to be on the show. And I've met Harry once where he wore my cloak uh, at Ayatefel 
in Belfast, up the road mm-hmm. from where I live. And uh, it's lovely to watch Harry's uh, fantastic work in the environmental education side of things and watch his the way he networks and connects with everybody and brings the whole community around this together. So uh, big uh, high five to you, Harry, and well done. Oh, well, thank what, you, Sarah. What, what you're I'm, doing. I'm blushing. I mean, I was already very red, but now I'm actually blushing as well. Thank you so <laughs> well, if much. You can, if you could figure out how to use your microphone, it would be even better. I know. Next step, you know, <laughs> so I think this is about show number 80. You would have thought by now I would have figured out how to use a microphone, but apparently that's uh, even that's beyond me. So um, maybe I'll see if I can figure that one out in future. I jinxed you. I jinxed you. Yeah. Well, maybe, or maybe I jinxed myself um, by saying beforehand when we were chatting that I'd run around in a panic. Um, there's a strong possibility I jinxed myself, but you know. Um, so, Patrick Jackson, um, you mentioned you've been involved in education for 25 years. Um, would you like to give us a a nutshell version of? of your career in 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 education well i sorry i'd revise that uh, 25 year figure because of course being 56 i've been involved in education for for probably 56 years uh, in various shapes or form that uh, is true that form, is true um and um some of which uh were on the receiving end uh, <laughs> the first bit was usually on the receiving end and then the second bit has been on the dishing out end and uh, I'm not sure which uh, has been more successful or, or <laughs> effective for, for anybody involved. Um, the um, the reason I became a teacher um, at the age of about 30 was like some others in the English language teaching world was because uh, without being rude, it was the only job that I could actually do when I turned up in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that and, yeah, and um, it is a problem with the industry, as we also we all know. Uh, that I arrived in Japan, I had no Japanese language skills. I had very few other skills, and the job for me was working at the Potato Club School for uh, English Language, uh, being teaching little ones, and you know uh, happily i really loved it and enjoyed teaching this age group and it was great fun and you know for me i'd had a very sort of uh, wild and kind of messed up 20s and uh, you know i was able to bring all that wild and messed upness into the classroom and i clicked with the sort of five-year-old Japanese person uh, so <laughs> I'd find finally found somebody who you know I could hang out with and enjoy the company of um, but yeah I mean joking apart it was it for me it really was you know I discovered something that I, I loved doing uh, and that was teaching so I spent 12 years in Japan teaching people of all ages and then uh, during that time I started writing storybooks and uh got involved in the whole materials creation side of things and and I miraculously got uh, some books which I wrote for my own little class uh, were picked up by Oxford University Press uh, that, that got published and then um, that was the beginning of my career as a, as an author of yeah as an author um, which mm-hmm. again has been another whole thing but yeah that's how it started. 
a, a pretty successful author as well, let's be honest. Um, well, yeah, let's, let's not take away from, from that at all. You have been a, a you, you, you are a successful author. I know, and it somehow seems a little bit of a fluke, really. Uh, it's, it, it, you know, it, it all seems a bit surreal um, that there are people all over the world, you know, uh, interacting with things that started off on my desk, which is a lovely feeling, really. But again, um, I think everybody, you know, everybody has that slight feeling of, gosh, really, uh, did that happen? Now, for, for me, I started with, uh, in this little school, the Potato Club. And so my first books were called The Potato Pals. And they were little storybooks um, about daily activities uh, mm -hmm. you know, aimed at six-year-olds. And uh, they came along with songs. And um, I had never been to, a, you know, I'd never been to an English teaching conference. I'd never, I'd never, I'd never even used a course book. And these little books were, you know, they landed, a, a friend said, why didn't, well, my sister actually said, why don't you send those off to a publisher? These are really cute. Um, so I sent them off to, to, to the big four. Mm -hmm. And they landed on the right desk in New York in, in, in what was then called AMELT, uh, the American English language teaching section of Oxford. And, you know, I, I have an image. I've never met the person involved, but I have an image of sort of, you know, somebody, said i like these spuds these are great you know <laughs> and then great i got potatoes I, yeah this is just <laughs> this is just what we're looking for and i got it was it was extraordinary because i really i sent the things off uh you know in an envelope and i think it was it was something like a week later i got an email said which said you know we are we we, we love your potato books and we'd really like to uh, talk to you about the possibility and it, you know i was like what this actually happened and uh, and then I went to Tokyo, and um, so it doesn't happen often, I think. But I, I, I definitely, uh, you know, if you throw out enough irons into the fire, or whatever the expression is, if you you know things do do happen. And then I got to dress up as a potato and go all over Japan and other countries in Asia dressed up in a little potato suit. And I went on the bullet train. I think I might be one of the only people to ride a bullet train dressed as a potato. That could be a claim to fame, Patrick. I, I, I tell you. <laughs> I tell you. I, I don't have many, but that, that certainly is one of them. And I wasn't even that drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is remarkable what you say there, the, you know, the, having your wild 20s into, into something that then evolves into something else. So, you know, obviously the twin, I think our twenties are for when we're supposed to be wild. Um, certainly when I had my wild phase, um, I started teaching in my, my mid twenties. So I think I was 24 when I started teaching. Um, so there was still a bit of wild left, but I have to agree. So I, I started out in, in South America, but when I went over to Asia for me, you know, I, I was in China at first. Um, and it was really the, the little kids that I connected with first. Um, and it was so much fun. Like there was so much fun in those classes. Um, just to, to be there and, and just see how much fun they were having as well with, well, with me, I'm not going to say acting like a clown cause I wasn't only acting like a clown, but you know, they, they clearly enjoyed that fun aspect of it. And I don't know. It's something I yeah. can really see in you as well. Um, again, I'm not saying you're silly. Um, I can really see that fun aspect in you and 
and that connection that you you would have with young learners i've never seen you teaching them but i can imagine i could really visualize it well i think uh, you know sort of opposites fascinated by each other and and you know a, a five-year-old japanese little person is is probably quite fascinated by a, a basically a giant um yeah who you know you're and, also tall you are also <laughs> yeah. tall and and there was definitely yeah there definitely is that sort of you know spark which which i did enjoy um and yeah silly silly enough yeah and i think also i mean for me the you know for example i was very i was never somebody who was I, that extroverted i suppose or maybe I, I wasn't, for example, somebody who was comfortable singing or dancing or anything like that. And I still wouldn't really be in front of my own friends. But mm. there's something very liberating about, you know, you can put on head, shoulders, knees and toes and suddenly you act, you know, you're, you're doing things that you wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable be with. Um, so I, 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 I was grateful for the experience. And then that, I went to... So true. Um, but then I remember I, I, I once I was an author. Uh, I went to sorry for pronouncing it author every time. Uh, it has to be done. Um, I went to Brazil on an author tour, and oh, really? I, I went and I and my title the title of my talk was um, it was something like mu music and movement with young learners or you know sort of you know and and I, I was coming from Japan and in Japan one of my things would be hands up everyone who uses music and dance with their students and and sort of three people would and then i went to brazil and i and i was like hands up everyone who uses me and everyone did and then i was trying to show them how to do and it was just such a joke <laughs> this, this ungainly unrhythmical uh irishman was yeah totally out of, out of his league but oh, yeah it's, it, it, it's all been fun yeah i, I... I, I can picture that, Patrick. I can, I'm, I'm genuinely picturing it because, yeah, the people of Brazil tend to be very rhythmic. Um, so <laughs> I, I do remember I, I did go out. I was once invited out with my Dutch friend who, again, he is also tall. Um, we were invited to go to, uh, it was a club called Athuka, which was, um, it was, it was a dance club, basically. Um, and everybody there could dance. Um, me and my friend Jasper could not dance, <laughs> but we were very tall, so we could be seen by everybody not being able to dance. So that was one of those moments in my wild twenties that you know I try to forget as often as possible. Um, you know, being outside my comfort zone. But but like you say, when you get into a classroom, when you get in front of students, um, and you know you get that kind of energy from them, it's it's, it's yeah. impossible not to dance. And I think the other thing is that you notice, uh, you know, when you're doing something that, you know, uh, forgive the expression, gets you're, you're in the zone, as it were. You, uh, you know, that feeling when you've taught six classes straight through, and then you finish, and you think, oh my god, I didn't think about anything else in my life for the last yeah. sort of five hours, and that doesn't happen. You know, that doesn't happen unless you're really into something and um, and that happened you know for so 12 years later i suddenly thought oh what <laughs> you know that happened what where did those 12 years go <laughs> yeah suddenly i had two children it was, it was, it was 
What happened here? Um, and they were, yeah, and they were eight. Um, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. Um, but then I, um, by that stage, I'd, through the potato antics, I'd managed to, um, Oxford had identified me clearly as a lunatic who'd do anything for them. And, um, and that I could write, you know, sort of short sentences. And so I was asked to write course books, which is, you know, which, which obviously are big projects with teams of people in that. Um, so that, that opened up a whole another bunch of opportunities, um, in that area. And that enabled me to come back to Ireland and focus on that particularly. And so I moved back to Ireland. How do you feel Ireland. about writing course books? How did, like, just, you know, your, well, your honest um, feeling to writing course books? Well, it's hard work. It's, you want to, you would want to have, um, I personally have worked on both the sort of big courses I've worked on with uh, a co-author called Susan, who's just, we're just best buddies and we were allies and we work very well together. We complement each other. We, we could spend any number of hours chatting. Um, and we've, so that's made it doable. I don't think I could have done it without Sue because I just could, I don't think I, I actually could have done it unless there was somebody else like that. So I think the people you're working with, um, make it possible because a lot of it is a really dreadful slog. As, as you know, um, yeah. and you, yeah, I, I, it, 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 it's things that have happened later on since I've written those have made me understand how fantastic it is if you have more power to do what you want to do. The, the, the process of writing big courses with teams of, of all sorts of people, um, it's very good for you because it teaches you how to work within that system. It's also very good for you because you're working to a very, very tight deadlines. You're working to very tight templates. Usually you're working to very tight bits of language or whatever else. So that process is has been beneficial to me because I'm quite bad at doing anything in a very tight fashion. So I, it's not to be taken on lightly, that's for sure. Now, if I was asked to do another big language teaching course, I think I would, at this stage, want to have a lot more of my own, um, probably a bit more of my own input. Uh, no, not input, but a bit more of my own sort of creative direction over the uh, over the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and I'd have a bit less interest in writing the nitty gritty stuff, which I've done for, you know, I've done a lot of. And I can yeah, do it. it but can, it's, it can be very... I don't want to say tedious, but tedious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and and my issue is, you know, I, I get really bored of certain rubrics because I've written them so many times, but they have to be the same throughout a book because if they're not the same throughout a book, then, you know, it gets confusing. And it just, I don't know, it, it sometimes yeah. feels a bit copy pasty. So that's why I like smaller, smaller projects, smaller chunks. Um, and like you say, things that I'm interested in and care about because if I'm not, then it's, yeah, it's, it's a slog. No, and nobody wants the slog. Well, I've, I've got also, I've, I think I've, I find it quite hard to concentrate on anything. Uh, if, if it's, so I, I make giant sticker charts. I mean, I'm like a, I'm, you know, I, I give myself gold stars when I get to the end of 
a lesson that I've written, and I've got these. So I've got drawers full of chicka, chicka starts, no sticker <laughs> charts, and uh, and it sort of is maybe that's a bit of a sign that, <laughs> that if I have to motivate myself with a little red sticker every time I finish a page, that maybe, yeah. But then wow. you know, at, at, you know, frankly, most of my income comes from things I did more than five years ago. So there's a lot to be said for that. So, you know, it's one of those things that if you put in the, you know, if you're lucky and you put in the, the time and the effort and, and you have something that people buy, then that's, you know, I, I do enjoy my my twice annual envelope that comes with my uh, royalties in it. So that's a that's a great thing. Certainly a bonus. <laughs> you got you certainly, you know, the, the passive income of things that you've made, you know, from the past. I'm guessing if I were a super pop star or something like that, I'd enjoy that. I'm, I'm probably how Mariah Carey feels every Christmas when they yeah, well, I mean, play a song well, endlessly. Fantastic. It's a good feeling, and and actually, you know, money is not. In, in some ways, money can be denigrated, and it is often denigrated. But actually, if money allows you to do other cool things, um that may be like picker pals, um, yeah. then, you know, that's, that's, that, that wouldn't have been possible had I been, had I not had the Oxford courses that were supporting me. There was, yeah, it was the, you know, the, it gave you the freedom to, to follow your passion um, and to follow your heart. Now I watched you with the, the queen of ELT freelancers the other day um, with, with Rachel Roberts. Um, she was, she was talking to you about starting a movement. Um, and I've also talked to you in the past um, about your movement, um, the, not your bowel movement, obviously, because that wouldn't be an appropriate <laughs> conversation. And we will not get into that in the radio. Thank you very much, Patrick. Um, no, prefer not. Maybe later. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll yeah. wait till we're offline to talk about that one. Um, yeah, or so, maybe not even. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe not even that. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe just never. Maybe we can yeah. just leave that one. We can put that in the drawer with the sticker charts. Um, cool. And, and we'll shelve that one. But so I saw you on there. And and for me, I mean, I've, I've you know, we mentioned I've, I've met you once. But I, I feel like I've known you for a lot longer than that because we, we have very similar interests, um, might we say, um, to do with, well, empowerment of children and taking care of the planet, I think. I guess we we both share those kind of goals. Absolutely, yeah, and and that yeah, that's uh, you know that's why I enjoy all of your stuff um, that I you know that comes. You, you, obviously, the algorithm has identified you as the person I'd be most interested in because I'm constantly in this sort of power hose of of Harry Waters <laughs> content, which. Which, oh, that must be terrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I can't hardly go near my computer. It says Harry's done something. <laughs> Harry, Harry said this, or LinkedIn, or whatever, Instagram. Yeah, and and it's all good stuff. And I and I'm learning a lot from what you're doing. And uh, you know, I mean, I'm looking. I'm actually looking forward to working with you on something at some oh, point. Oh, absolutely. There's there, there's no way that it won't happen. Um, I, I think so. It's it's inevitable, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And and the. Yeah. I remember something uh, you mentioned. Now, whenever I talk about litter picks, I I always talk about litter picks with my <laughs> with my students, with my teacher trainers, 
um, with my teachers I'm training, like literally everybody. There are two things I always talk about. One of them is to get a plant for your classroom. And the other one is to go on a litter pick. Um, one of the things people say to me, you know, environmentalists have said to me, never teachers or students actually, oh, but you're dealing with the symptom, you're not dealing with the problem. Um, I have many things I say to them. Usually they're not appropriate for the radio. Um, <laughs> but I'd like to know what, what was it for you that, that kind of took you towards litter picking as that, that kind of hook to environmentalism? Um, well, just to, um, you know, I, I've always been just following the next thing that came along. And for me, um, I, I, I mean, the actual story of what happened was that I was walking on the pier near my house. I met a seagull caught in fishing line, freed the seagull, seagull pecked me, seagull flew off. Seagull said to me, Patrick, do something about the litter. Um, I came back the next day in that spot. There was a litter picking tool lying on that place in that place. I picked it up. What do you do? I started litter picking. Um, I, I kept it in the back of my car. I went to that place every day. I did litter picking there every day and I got totally and utterly hooked on it. Then, uh, you know, people would say, you know, fair play to you uh, or whatever. And you get a little bit of a, oh, that's not, oh, and I find, I find the odd interesting weird thing, false teeth, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, messages in bottles, so on. And it, you know, being, um, I don't know whether it, there is a certain thing, you know, about maybe being a man of a certain age and, you know, I think that you get into that sort of collector vibe. So I started collecting the odd things that I found on the, on the pier and on the beach. And then I, um, then I thought, hang on, I'm an author of English language teaching materials for young learners. And I know all about how books are made and why don't I do something to connect the dots between what you know, my, my that work and what I'm really into, which is becoming uh, sort of environmentally aware and connected to the locality that I'm in, and so that's where Picker Pals came from. So it's in, in that spot, which is where uh, you know that's when it, it and that that was the thing. I thought, how can I get more people involved in this, and particularly kids, which is you know is, is was my career. And a lady said to me one day, she said, oh, Patrick, you, uh, fair play to you. Do you think you're going to clean up the whole world like that? And I thought, well, no, I'm going to clean up this little bit, though. Yeah. And then I thought, well, actually, could you clean up the whole world? Actually, you know, maybe that's a good idea. Uh, so how would one clean up the whole world if you were going to try and do that? And then I remember that, you know, that Teddy project that primary schools do. No, where they send home, they they send home a, a teddy bear. They have a class teddy, uh, and they send yeah, it home. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, so one some kid will will sort of burn the teddy bear or something, or or, or feed the teddy bear spaghetti, or the, the yeah, rich or kids take, take it, take, take it yeah. on a trip on the bus. <laughs> yeah, um, or, or if yeah. they're really rich, they take it to Val d'Isere. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> there's always that one kid, isn't there? Yeah, ruins it like for the rest of them. <laughs> Yeah, and Teddy gets little ski goggles, and, and everyone hates him. And um, but so so this is so Picker Pals is um, if I could just sort of give a bit of background. Um, Picker Pals combines um, so it's basically it inspires children to go out on litter picking adventures. And what we do is we send out a, a big box to the classroom, and in the box there's a sort of a, a rucksacky little satchely thing which contains an adult and a child litter picking tool 
and uh, gloves and high-vis vest. And then each child takes it in turn to take home this kit and go on a litter-picking adventure with their grown-up. And then they come back and they fill in a report and they tell their classmates what they did and where they went and what they picked up. And they get a lot of, obviously, a lot of feedback and they have a lot of fun doing the litter-picking. And then also in the pack, there's books and activity books. And we do, and so that each child gets a storybook about the fun, colourful Pickapals characters and a, um, a, a fun activity book with the dreaded word search. And uh, <laughs> I, I always tell the kids, I hate word searches. We love, we love word searches. I hate word searches. Word searches were invented to punish children. They know, no, we love them. We love word searches. And I was like, no. You think you love them, but you don't. <laughs> word searches were invented by adults to waste children's time. Um, <laughs> I, do, I still hate words, actually, and I hate colouring as well, but I've just done a colouring book, Pick of Hours colouring book. Oh, it's I my... like colouring. Oh, I hate colouring. For me, yeah. colouring is, is, for me, I find it really relaxing and mindful, and it kind of, dis, I can disconnect while I colour. Yeah, well, you're not doing enough litter picking then, are you? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, you you're, get, you're, get you're not help wrong. with that. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, uh, colouring, yeah, it's for, it, it, I, I don't get, I, you know, it's like you've got to go beyond the lines, Harry. You don't need the lines. <laughs> oh, there you go. I can just invent the lines. I can make the lines. Um, I, something really resonated with me when you mentioned going out on the pier and saving the seagull that obviously had decided to attack you. Um, which it's why not? Um, there is this unique feeling from doing a litter pick that that you get, and it's for me, it's it's a blend of anger and joy all at the same time. Um, you know, oh, you... well, you didn't, you see, I, I used to litter. Uh, oh, uh, oh I know. Oh yeah, no, 20s you're talking about. Aren't I, they? Well, I smoked, you see, I smoked for 30 years. Maybe not oh, that much. 20, you did not I smoked throw the butts on the floor. Patrick. I smoked yeah. for, I smoked for 20 years at least from when I was about, seven no <laughs> uh, yeah from my teen years until uh i was about 40 i smoked and i would have thrown most of the cigarette butts on the ground oh and patrick i know i didn't know i didn't really i didn't i never even thought that it was lit i didn't it didn't even cross my mind it, I, I, I don't think people do i think that's like one of the biggest issues with you know cigarette butts which if I if I pick them up only them up on the way to school in the mornings, I usually get over a hundred. So it, it's it, I don't know why yeah. it's so small. It's like I'm done with this now, and it does just go on the floor. You know, I have smoked in the past. Um, I have probably thrown a cigarette butt in the past. I don't remember it, but it may have happened. Um, I don't think cigarette butts were litter before 1995. I think they were. You know, I think they were just not litter. And then when I stopped, when I started litter picking, I obviously then understood. And I was even on Irish national TV the other day, talking about the outrage of cigarette butts on the ground. And there was video of me on the news picking up cigarette butts. And this hypocritical man, who for years threw cigarette butts on the ground. Um, so I, I have come from a littering background. So I think that gives me, that takes the edge off the anger because you can't really be, I'm not angry. When I'm picking litter up, I don't get angry at all. I'm almost fascinated by the the behavior, you know, the, the difference that enables someone to just throw something out of a car window. The, the, the lack of 
you know, I mean, my grandmother, my mother, my dad, we, they were all litter pickers and they were all, you know, so for me, um, the idea of throwing a whole McDonald's bag of cups and burger boxes and chip boxes and everything out the car window as you're driving along, it's like, oh my God, that's so... It's, it's just it's insane. mind-boggling. It's <laughs> yeah, mind-boggling. And, what does that and feel I'm not like? Deny, I have um, I have been known. So we were we went to Gibraltar because we live in the south of Spain, and there are times when you just need to get to a, a British supermarket. So we went to Gibraltar, and we were in the queue to get into Gibraltar. Obviously, you know, Brexit's made life super easy for the border there, um, and there was a, a gentleman in the car alongside us who had bought a chocolate bar from somebody passing by selling them to people in the queue and the first thing he did was throw it straight out the window um, and he was he was in his souped up vehicle um, and I was instantly enraged um, so I got out of my car and I went over to him and said here you go this is yours um, he just kind of looked at me baffled as to the fact yeah. that he was questioned about it but yeah my my wife was a bit nervous then because we had to spend the next 45 minutes driving <laughs> alongside him looking angrily over at me but um yeah. that that has that has passed on you know because then later on my my wife saw somebody throw something out of their window and she would say to them and you know my daughter has seen people yeah. drop masks on the floor and she would just politely say to them you know does that need to go on the floor um is there not a bin within the next 6 or 7 meters that you could perhaps put it in yeah, uh, it's a difficult one. I mean, uh, the Picker Pals methodology on this one, uh, the policy is you don't go near people, you don't go near strangers, and you don't challenge other people about their behaviour in public because you don't know who they are. And yeah. uh, there's there's people who respond very, very badly to that, including, you know, stabbing you. So, yeah, as, yeah um, I, I wouldn't advise a child, certainly yeah. goes and does it, particularly if they're not anywhere near a parent. Um, so, yeah. yeah. It's, uh... Well, even with a parent, I mean, a parent isn't going to, you know, I, I, I say to my kids, listen, just do not get into any confrontation with anybody you don't know at all out and about because it's just, uh, it, it's dangerous. And having said that, last week in the London Underground, I was with my son and we were walking along and this is my 19 year old son and i always say to him don't get whatever you do you know if somebody says something to you just walk away don't yeah you know and uh there was there was <laughs> there was a teenager sitting on the steps and they were sitting right in the middle of the steps and they, one guy was just looking at me and I, we were walking along towards him and he was just taking up the whole steps in the and as i walked by him i said that's a beep place to sit <laughs> and they all roared at me and she went nuts and my son was like dad you can't you tell you tell me all my life you don't do that uh and it's horrible because it gets you it ruins your day you know you get all sort of adrenalized adrenalinized and you, i i don't know i think it's just better not in the pick yeah. song it says um if you ever see a bit of litter don't get sad don't get bitter uh, you can have fun. You can get fitter. Get your picker upper and pick up that litter. There you Make go. Make the world better. You know, it's a, it's all there. It's all there for you, Harry. And that's that. That should be my mantra. I should sing that when I wake up in the morning. Um, yeah, <laughs> as I say, for me, like the the park at the back of my house. I go there every morning with the dog. I take my my litter picker with me because I know without fail that park is going to be full of rubbish because it is a gated park, but there's like an entrance to it where you can get in 
Uh, and it's where the, the teenagers go to do what is called bodeyon, which is basically sit outside because it's warm. And it used to be drink alcohol, but teenagers don't do that anymore, apparently. Now it's um, energy drinks. So okay. you know, the floor is now covered with energy drinks and you know empty vape canisters. And I'm just thinking, number one, why are you drinking so many energy drinks at night? You're not going to get to sleep. Um, what? This is surely irresponsible and number two there's a bin right there like just walk over to the bin and put it in there it's, it's not an issue um so yeah sometimes i feel but, a bit bitter with the litter yeah well you can't go down that route harry i'm worried about you you've got to keep away from that sort of thinking you really do you know and just think look at the silver lining they're giving you an opportunity by leaving those monster cans on the on the park ground you have the opportunity to pick them up bend over pick up the litter Make the world better. Put it in the bin, and that's all you. You've just got to stay in that space. Otherwise, it's it's a dark road. The, yeah. the road of the road of negativity towards other people who litter is, you know, it's 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 a hellish route. Well, you've got it, to keep... it, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I do love the. I do love that feeling of of when it is done though. Like, there's nothing better than, you know, my, yeah. my daughter and I have invented a few different types of litter picks because it can't always be one of those giant litter picks where everybody goes out and you get 3,000 pieces of litter and, you know, you save the world or you clean the Mumbai beach. You can't do that every day. So, you know, we have stuff like a, a five-minute blitz where we just go nice. out for five minutes mm. and we just do, get as much as we can or we do hotspot where we just go to a place where obviously the wind gathers and we clean that one area um oh, or we have our school run litter pick that we do every morning that i used to film every day but i don't do it anymore because i don't see the need to do it every day yeah. um, but also i'm walking the dog and picking litter so it's actually quite tricky to do that um but yeah we, so we have all these different types of litter picks that we can do and and you just, it's a good way to start your day because you feel like you've done something good. Um, and other people see that you're doing something good. And at first, people looked at me like I was a bit of a weirdo. But yeah. now people say thank you when I do it. They um, just look are, at you like a bit of a weirdo who's picking litter. Well, exactly. Yeah. I am a bit of a weirdo. So thank <laughs> you very much. Now you know who I am. Um, so, yeah, we've got a few other kids at the school doing the the school run litter pick as well. And it's, you know, it, it's something that um, a wise man once told me um, that litter picking is a gateway drug to environmentalism. Now, I, I can't can't have any idea who that wise man was. But, um, God, that sounds like a wise man. That's incredible. Um, the, wow, that's, that's it's, amazing. It's uh. just so true because it's it's very addictive and it leads you down all of these avenues of, you know, uh, the history of a plastic bottle you can do that you can look at the life cycle of a plastic bottle most of your students are not going to know where it's come from they're not going to know where it goes afterwards some of them might think of recycling it but but that's it they they don't have the thought process of you know where has it come from where is it going to go and what is the cost of that plastic bottle so all of that starts with litter picking yeah exactly and the um you know, if you can imagine the stream, the waste materials stream that goes from the production, you know, the, the, well, the oil, the production of the bottle, the, the, uh, where that bottle is, the bringing that bottle home, that bottle being drunk, that bottle sometimes getting into the re re uh, recycling, sometimes not, sometimes ending up in landfill, sometimes ending up in the sea. You know, so there's all these 
sort of, uh, you know, that in itself is a, a very interesting um, stream. And then along that stream, if you can imagine sort of parallel to that stream, there are decisions. There's a sort of a decision stream. And mm-hmm. obviously the best decision is not, you know, that we have when, when faced with a fridge full of plastic bottles is not to buy any of them. You know, that's the best, that, that is the best uh, action that we can take at that point in the stream. Then the next, you know, then once we've, you know, that bottle has been bought, then what do you do with it? And then not throwing it away, you know, to, uh, re- getting it into recycling. But even then, le- the learning around recycling, because re- recycling, most stuff doesn't get recycled at all. And most stuff, you know, a lot of stuff is getting incinerated. And yeah. Um, and it's always yeah, it, being it, it, downcycled into a carpet or a garment that's then going to be washed and turned into microplastics anyway. Exactly. So. Yeah. So, so all that and absolutely, we, you know, pick pals is not about litter picking. Really, it's about uh, connecting. It's about having a connection to your neighbourhood. It's about having connection to the people in your family and the things that you choose and use and the way you go about your life. Uh, and you know our you know our mission is to um well our mission is to support the some of the sustainable development goals and also to you know support biodiversity um that is our uh, you know uh, obviously to 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 work toward that and to create or to you know uh, empower and uh, awaken children and their families um to the the beauty of that sort of uh, relationship with the place you live in and and the creatures and the plants and whatnot. It, it really, it, it it seems like, you know, a, a silly thing, but litter picking can really do that. It can connect you to all that because it gets you that mindful moment out in nature. It get, gets you to yeah. see these different things. Um, and, you know, Perhaps you won't come across a seagull tangled in a fishing line, but you know you'll be able to go to a park and you'll be able to see that you know there's a plastic bag there. Well, what if if Harry the Hedgehog comes along? Um, you know what happens to that, or what if it goes into the ocean? Well, the you know a turtle is going to think it's a jellyfish and is going to eat it. So there are so many what ifs and what can I prevent and how can I stop this? Is for me this this idea of of litter picking being this kind of starting theme it is such a useful way to connect as you say all of these different the sustainable development goals connected to litter picking uh, there, there there are so many you know it's not yeah. just about uh, climate action it's not just about life on land or life underwater or responsible for some you know, con- uh, production and consumption it's also about you know clean water it's about so many different things yeah yeah and and i think once you know if you can um, get, you know, children are incredibly powerful in families, uh, and children yes. are very, very in- influential. And one of the things I always say when I visit a school is, "You guys are the most powerful people in this entire community." And they look at you like you're mad at first, and then you go, "No, think about it. Think of the fuss, and think of the think of how your family is so devoted to every your little safety, your every little whim. Your, you know, think about." It. How powerful, and then think about when you come home and you say, "We're going out litter picking," and you have, have your mum and dad ever been litter picking? Most of them say no, and you're going to go home with the picker pack, and you're going to take them out, 
and you're going to lead them out and you're going to there's a big one for them and big gloves for them and there's a big highways for them and you've got yours and you're leading the adventure and th that and and it really works because we get parents saying you know we never hey we never knew i mean you know who knew litter picking was so much fun that's it and yeah. and you're giving them the opportunity you're giving them the framework really and the tools to create this nice moment um and and they do you know they're so proud and the pictures you know if you look on on the social media and you see you know, oh, yeah, pictures, it's like so proud and the kids are so proud and the parents are so proud of the kids and the parents are proud of themselves and it's just it's a very simple thing um but yeah it's i don't i mean you've got you've got your daughter and i've got you know brought up my kids and often the you know you, you're at a bit of a loose end as to think of activities and especially when you're faced you're, you're sort of up against an awful lot of very clever ways of people not going out and not doing things to, and not doing things together um uh, you know a simple activity that really connects people well the, I, I went out with this guy one time and we went for a walk and we were doing a little bit of litter picking and chatting and went down to the beach and we were just saying and we were trying i was trying to pick his brains about uh, uh about um uh you know how how to get the message across and how to sort of you know sort of get the message pick about what was it about you know what what story do we tell to get people excited about this and we're walking along and we're looking picking through the seaweed and then the tide was going out and the t suddenly we looked out and there was a seal sitting on top of the water it's the only way I can describe it. It was a seal, mm -hmm. like literally, it was sitting on top of the water. It wasn't in the water. It was on top of the water. And what had happened, obviously, was that the tide had just come to the point where the seal, you know, the bottom of the seal was at the same level. The seal was sitting on a rock, obviously. Yeah. And and but it looked like, you know, and it was just this. And he said, he said, you know, what this is, what you what you're talking about here is moments. It's 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 a moment where you're there and you're suddenly going. And if you spend time in nature i'm sure lots if anyone's listened to this um you know people spend any time you spend any time in nature usually it might take two minutes might take 12 minutes might take you know but it doesn't usually take that long for something really cool some little nature event to happen yeah you know oh, it could yeah, be like a, absolutely um or you just notice something in a different way or you or you're just looking at some you know anything in nature is super cool yeah, any, were... any, uh, just a leaf for God's sake. Yeah. Oh, the leaves, leaves, leaves are really awesome, actually. Um, we were on our way back from the beach the other day. Um, we we'd taken some pictures there, and you know, my wife's a photographer. Um, and we'd also obviously done a litter pic because we went to the beach, so that's what you do. Um, but on the way back, there was uh, it, it was last Wednesday actually. There was a, a tree that was just like completely covered in bees it just wow. you know, I, I, I don't know what was happening but i was just standing there and there were just millions of bees just on this like small tree and i just stood there for you know five or six minutes staring at it until i realized you know i had teachers talk radio and i had to rush back and, and get it sorted <laughs> but um but yeah like you say it, it, they're those moments when you're out and if you don't get out then you won't have the opportunity to see those moments and you know, taking the chance to to do a litter pick and spend that time out in nature it's such a great builder for like you say for your family but also for communities you know when you do get those 
big litter picks together, when you do get a whole school do a litter pick or a whole area do it, and you see the amount of litter that you get and you see that enormous change, it's an it's it's a fairly unique feeling. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm obviously a convert, and I, I you know I mean I, I I'm probably completely delusional, but I I think that for me um, litter picking, you know, this is quite corny, but for me litter picking came along at a particular time in my life, and I started litter picking, and since then all sorts of really cool, great things have happened one after the other, day after day, and you know it's. It, it has turned into an amazing story for me and you know I'm, I, you know, it's I would I'd say to anybody if in any you know don't be don't be in doubt just shut up get a picker go out do it just see yeah. what happens exactly don't, you know, don't don't think oh am I you know oh I wouldn't feel you know just do it don't just do it just go out and if yeah. there's a five minute blitz do a five minute blitz but just get out there yeah. and do it yeah, um, do it and see what happens because stuff happens. I mean, things happen. You meet. It's like uh, being a being a lo- the local litter picker is like having you know when you go for a walk with a dog or a puppy or you know a baby. Or, um, it, oh, it's, people talk it's, to you. Absolutely, and then when the moment people talk to you, then of course every conversation something comes from that. Yeah. Um, whatever it is. So yeah. yeah, it's magical. I think it's I think it's magical. It's a magical activity that is also very uh, psychologically. You know, it's mindfulness. Um, it's healthy. There's there's absolutely no reason not to do it. And I think there, I mean now if I go no reason not to do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's no reason. There's no excuse. Like it's it's it is a good thing to do. Like it is yeah. a good if you do it, you're doing a good thing. On that particular note, I'm gonna we're gonna for just a second but when we come back i want to talk about your cloak and i also want to talk about something that ali's got up her sleeve it isn't your cloak by Ooh, the way um nice. so we'll be, we'll be back in about a minute so don't go anywhere this show is brought to you in partnership with john cat educational a leading publisher of books directories educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the uk and beyond have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. So we are back. And just before we left, I mentioned your cloak. Now, your cloak is something of wonder, of marvel, um, and also of great weight. Um, could you tell people what this cloak is? The cloak, uh, yes. I live in a place called Hoth, which is a peninsula north of Dublin. And I call the cloak the Cloak of Hoth, although it has been known as the Picker Poncho. I prefer the Cloak of Hoth. I think it has more sort of dignitas. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the cloak was, started its life as a curtain. Some people find that hard to believe. It was a large curtain in, and it was it ended up in a charity shop and that was the cloaks uh, you know the, the cloak naked uh, z life yeah. my um my collection of beach finds was a bird was burgeoning and you know when i say beach finds i was talking about i'm talking about things like the the three heads of ken yeah uh, three three ken heads no barbies no bodies the three uh, heads mystery. of Ken, it sounds like some kind of mystery Greek thing. 
one beach, one day, three heads, all cans, <laughs> no barbies, no bodies. It's just, it's terrifying. There's a story there. Um, There's a story. Well, there certainly is, and it's not a nice one, Harry. I, I don't <laughs> want to scare you, scare your listeners. Um, yeah, so there's things like the the spade handle of doom. Um, there's all sorts of things. There's, there's guns, there's credit cards, there's, uh, yeah, I've got a BMW. Um, I've got a BMW, actually. BMW <laughs> gave me. Yeah, they gave me a, a, they gave me a, a car to support the program, which was nice of them. Um, shout out to BM. Shout out to BMW. But I also <laughs> I do have a BMW logo on my toque. I have a Renault logo. Um, I have a Peugeot logo. I have all this rubbish. But the interesting bits are lots of bits of dolls, lots of oh, just stuff. You know, bits of fishing floats. It's very, you know, if it's colourful and it's got a bit of a story, it usually ends up on the cloak. Um, I, I get you know all the stuff that is on the cloak 90 percent of it comes from hope so over the years um i've just this collection of stuff i had which i used to bring around classrooms in a suitcase i'd I'd go into a classroom i'd say come on kids come and see my treasures from the beach and you'd open the suitcase and and then they it would everything would vanish and then you'd spend the next the next 45 minutes so i'm trying to get back this third, third the third Where's head of the ken, third head of ken? <laughs> yeah it was like no, that's not funny uh, you see Stephen in the head. corner chewing on something yeah. nom, nom. not the exactly. head of ken <laughs> yeah well it was like that so so the the, the curtain uh i i, I realized i needed something to sort of bring these things together so my niece was having a party and it was a fancy dress party and i just tied some of these things onto this curtain and i went to the party and when i look at that picture now because there was only about eight things on it i must have looked it was so crap it was just (laughs) it was just the worst it was the worst costume ever and but a few people said that's really cool and they were just being nice but anyway I, i i took it at that it was cool so i attached more and more things to this and then more and more and more stuff and now i have i think there's probably there must be a thousand bits of debris on the cloak it's um, so it, it is, is pretty it's, striking it is a specimen like it is absolutely a specimen i, I would recommend um I, I obviously would recommend people go to instagram anyway and check out uh pick up house but but do certainly look at that cloak because it is it's something else it really is something else and it's so um you know it's such a it, it shows you how you know people go like oh did you did you make that and then you go yeah and they go oh my god that's incredible and actually each of the things on it none of them are particularly incredible and the actual process of st- attaching something is really simple you just make a hole in it and put a bit of thread through it and stitch stitch it on so the incredible thing is actually the fact that over five years i've attached a thousand things to a curtain yeah and and you know and and that that for me that that's the learning from the cloak is almost you know none of these things individually are of any great interest um but the process of bringing them all together and it sort of is a bit of an allegory for you know together we can change the world because actually you know we we've, we've all got our own little stories we've all got our own you know we're all we're all broken we're all damaged we're all washed up on the beach and Together, we can create something that's quite impactful and and uh, striking. Um, and, so and that's it really certainly the, yeah. is striking. It, it is incredibly striking. 
And it's a wonderful uh, thing to bring to a place because it immediately focuses everybody. I mean, it, it is. It, I'm sorry. I know you're a, a good man for attention, Harry, but this, I, I think, it is the attention-seeking garment of all time. Um, <laughs> which, uh, I tell so, you what, I felt uh, special when I tried it on. Um, I know you looked, and you looked great. You know, you you, you carried it with aplomb. Is is I'm looking now at one of the images of you um, being arrested by the guardi, obviously. Um, although you're all smiling, so you're probably not actually being arrested. Um, from about yeah, from just over a year ago, and it is just. I imagine there's more on it now than there was then, but yeah, it's, just, it's, it's something so fantastic, and everyone really does need to to check out. And you do confirm in the post that you weren't arrested, so just. Everyone who's listening, don't worry. Patrick wasn't actually arrested um, on that just, on that occasion. On that occasion, he was just spending no. some time with the, the local guy. Yes. And, and yeah, just looking through these images at the at the, these students, this this idea of you know not taking home a mascot but taking home the picker pack is just it's such a fun idea to have and a fun way to you know empower all these different students and you know not all of them isn't they're not all going to go crazy for it but most of them are well they all go the, the the thing i sometimes think is if you gave if you gave a class 30 picker packs it wouldn't work yeah um absolutely if, that is such a good point actually yeah they, they every, they'd all be like oh god we have to do that. and they'd all sit in the corner and they'd be stuck in people's halls and actually they'd be littered um, but it's the fact that you're the one, you know, and we're such selfish little monkeys. You know, we just love to be the one who's going to do the the thing that week. And that is so true. Like you, you know, you know the minds of humans, don't you? Like there's... I, I have thought very deeply, Harry. Uh, it is true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it is it is such a it's a, a fantastic. Um, like hook, as you say, like that way of getting them in. Obviously, they all get their book, and there are the coloring books and stuff. And you know, they have the the picker powers to connect to. You know, the you you said on Rachel's show that you've got some some new characters that have come out recently. Well, there's yeah, the idea of the picker pals world. Um, you know, there's there's an, a flying island called Pickeropolis, um, which is. Not, I'd say it's it's not loosely based on Gulliver's Travels, La Pucha. It's actually a direct ripoff of <laughs> Gulliver. It's, um, it's I, I've always been fascinated by by flying islands since, since I was you know since, since I was you were in Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> yeah, since I was on that flying island, um, I've always wanted to create a world of strange creatures and characters who live on a flying island and come down. And the you know the 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 island of Picaropolis was once part of the Earth, but was dislocated from the Earth, and then the creatures evolved slightly differently with special picker powers. And you know they travel through time and space and come down and, and help people understand and you know rescue the environment. Um, so it's kind of a work in progress, but I like that it's a flying island because flying islands can do anything. Yes, and, they can. Uh, and and also I like that um, you know without being too sort of uh meg megalomaniac uh it's mine all mine so i can if i want to create create you know if i want to create a a, a dishwasher character uh as in the machine i can tomorrow yeah and you know so that's what i was saying about working with you know big publishers is is one thing but actually having your own 
creation is is very nice. Oh uh, yeah, you just you know you want to get a new character and it's got to go through so many different people before it it gets yeah. the okay. Whereas you know this, you know you might think tomorrow that you need a a walking hat. Then you know. Yeah. Oh, you good go. idea. Yes, thank oh, you. I'll do. Hat. Yeah, done. Sorted. And in <laughs> fact, actually, the the um, when I, I I wrote a course for Oxford called Everybody Up. Um, so as a team, we wrote uh, a course for Oxford called Everybody Up, and um, one of the projects we had to do to to get the job was to do a sort of an, an what would you write? What's the course you would write? Uh, was the was the brief? You know, yeah. Send us in a pitch. What would you write? And I said, I'd write a course about a flying island that went round the world, and you know, it had all these weird and wonderful characters and and talking dinosaurs and so on, and. Um, I remember the, the editor said, well, Patrick, we love your creativity, but, you know, <laughs> we're never going to do a course about flying islands. <laughs> um, so I, I, I've always sort of, so I kept that scribble of, of a flying island and that became Picaropolis. Oh, amazing. Um, um, I've, I've had that, I've heard that phrase a few times. We love your creativity, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah you, you must be kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that's again, that's why I, that's why I love renewable English and, and the fact that I have the freedom to, to talk to who I want and do what I want on there. Obviously yeah. the stuff I do with publishers is, is a bit different, but yeah. Um, there's yeah, no there flying another... islands yet. There was another. There was another project which had, you know, it had some kids and they wanted to have a pet. And I said, "Why don't we have a robot shrimp that has a little helicopter comes out of its back and it flies around right next to their ears and and it sort of talks to them." And they, you know, I remember the meeting. It was just sort of, uh, I think we'll go with a dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so know, we it, love it, your creativity, it, but moment. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a dog now, and yeah. and it sells and it sells very well all over the world. So yeah, fine. Uh, they maybe made the right decision <laughs> for that, but maybe not. Um, and yeah. it must have been strange. I like, so going from Japan to Ireland, there must have been a big difference because you know the Japanese are renowned for you know being respectful and not throwing litter on the floor. Um, you know, they're, they're yes. after um, the World Cup when they clean up the stadiums of ticker tape and stuff like that. It's so it must have been quite a. A shock to the system um well i came from Ireland originally so it was more of a shock to the system going to japan and finding okay. another place but <laughs> it was you know i kind of knew what ireland was like when i when i went back there it was probably cleaner than when i left because i hadn't been throwing cigarette butts on the ground for 12 years um but yeah i, I mean i think a lot of the the systematic nature of picker pals it's sort of it's it's a hack to get um, um uh, it, it's a hack to get a multiplier effect yeah um and that is quite i think i if i hadn't spent eight years working in a junior high school in japan i it's the sort of thing that it, well i mean is it, it japanese schools have systems like lots of systems like that yeah um so i think it, it's it, it's it's quite a pick up house is quite japanese in that sense um it's sort of a rotor system where everyone does their bit and it all contributes to a greater good, which is is quite uh, sort of, it's, a, it's, you know, it's group the, think, yeah. Yeah, it is what Picker Pals is. Um, and it's I, I saw very recently, um, I saw that you were in London. I went to Bet, yes. Have you ever been? Uh, I've it's never the... been to Bet, but Teachers Talk Radio were at Bet, so I'm hoping next year um, Ooh, they, right they right, might yeah. want me to go along, so... 
it was it was an I'm bet for for everyone who's uh, not uh, in fact I'm not even sure what it stands for British Educational Technology T Toy. British <laughs> Time. <laughs> I don't think it's time. Is it British <laughs> Educational? Something like that. Anyway, anyway, it's a massive educational technology con- uh, trade show, and it's divided up into software-y kind of things and hardware-y kind of things. So the software-y kind of things, a lot of things like learner management systems, you have no idea what they do. It's and, the British but also... Educational Training and Technology Show, by the way. So it oh, be bets, thank you. Really. Bets. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, it's huge, and you would not believe it. I mean, compared to... Uh, Iotef, you know, it makes Iotefel look like a sort of a, a half a ham sandwich, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it really shows you the the resources. That, you know, I mean, there's 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 about three acres of Microsoft and another acre of Google and all these other enormous companies, and then thousands of companies that you've never heard of doing all sorts of quite cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I was there for three days and I probably didn't see half of it. And by the end of it, I could hardly stand up from all the rubbish I'd been talking. <laughs> um, but it was, but it was fun and useful, I imagine. It well, it was when you know when you go home and you've got seventy-eight business cards, and you go through them and, and you know you look at them and half of them you can't remember who the person was, but. Um, then there's a few nuggets in there. And, and I think the overall experience of seeing it w- was very interesting to see as a sort of a content person mm-hmm. to see uh, what way content appeared there. Yeah. So there was, you know, and, you know, so how content was being licensed to different uh, applications and yeah. where, where stories were turning up, you know, so this amazing sort of world you know, your classroom can plug into this thing that has got everything in the world and it can do everything. And you can, I mean, I, I, my personal belief is that everything is just going to do everything in about 25 minutes. Um, <laughs> and then the only really valuable things are going to be real world things, uh, which is litter picking for me. Yeah, of it course. Might, but, it, but it might be yoga for you or, or you know, bonsai, um, real world stuff. And uh, and then actually nothing is going to be very valuable, so you know just actually doing nothing. Yeah, oh, I do like doing nothing occasionally. It's fun. Yeah, um. yeah. That can't be. I, I've got nothing to do tomorrow. It's fantastic. I was looking at my calendar and uh, I've got nothing on. Oh no! I mean, it's great. Go and then, and somebody said to me, do you, can, 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 "You know, what, is there any we could have a, to do a Zoom or something? When's free?" And I said, "Actually, tomorrow I've got nothing on at all." zero and i thought that's great i like to save that for tuesdays for me because tuesday the, the, mm. yeah i don't know why but as a freelancer you know the the day i like to take off i don't know why is tuesday i like mondays i like getting my week started well with doing as much work as possible but then i like to have a tuesday off every now and again i don't know why but so i tend to leave tuesday. my tuesdays as free as possible yeah so, on a thursday thursday for me thursdays are, I, I love thursdays well, it's a beautiful go. day. It's another day. tea day, so you know they do. We do Lovely. That in yeah, but there's Wednesday between us. Yeah, there is. There is. Um, and we all know that Wednesday is Teachers Talk Radio Day. For, for, for Very day. special. Yes. Every well, day this is, is Teachers Talk Radio Day for for all our listeners because we have lots of wonderful shows about all sorts of different things. Um, just to make sure you know that one. Um, I want to talk to you about something, and I want to ask your advice. I guess. 
So, um, Alethea, that's my daughter, or, or Ali, um, as, as I mentioned uh, before to you, she is speaking at her first ever event on the 25th of April. Uh, she's speaking at the World Retail Conference, and at that, she's going to be speaking about, you know, the dangers of you know, overconsumption and um, talking about fast fashion, also talking about the waste that's produced. But as part of, you know, with that, she'll be meeting first, for the first time, Kids Against Plastic face-to-face, -face, she'll be meeting Amy Meek, um, who are obviously a, a, a charity very much aligned to, to kind of pick a pals and that idea of, of starting with litter picking. Um, and now, now this is still a bit hush-hush, but she will be having a campaign very soon, and it will be a litter-picking campaign to try and encourage people to go out there and pick up some litter. Um, what sort of pointers could you give her and us to, to get people really excited? Are you asking me? I'm asking you because you are oh, the master I, I... of picker pals. Well, I am in my own little realm of picker pals, uh, something of a master. But I wouldn't, you know, kids against plastic. You know, those are that's those are big guns in the in the world of of kids litter picking. Um, so, um, what would my advice be? It would be difficult for me to give advice to. Yes, your daughter, who's ex who's constantly been litter picking with you, she must have a pretty deep understanding of the whole thing. She definitely um, does, yeah. I, I, I think, think probably on our schoolrun litter picks, we've probably picked up about six to 7,000 pieces of litter over the last few years. So it's a fair amount. Yeah. I think would my advice be, well, obviously staying positive, how you stay positive uh, mm -hmm. while, doing, while doing it. Um, how to get other people involved. That's really, the thing. That's, that's, the, the, yeah. that's the key because we're, we're going to be aiming to pick up a million pieces of litter. So we need to try and see how we can get well, lots of people involved. If we can get a million people involved, they only have to pick up one piece each. Yes, um, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's the bit. That's, so how we, I'm so good at maths sometimes. <laughs> um, but how we can, how can we do that? Because, you know, this idea of, you know, with pick up it's it's incredible it's a great way of doing that so um getting everyone involved and you know logging the litter that they've they've picked so we can reach that that goal yeah i mean there is that there are lots of good initiatives out there and there's lots of good ways of doing this uh you know there's obviously the sort of social media kind of initiatives there's things like the two minute beach clean and the two minute park clean or the street clean and those sort of things where you hashtag and show the citizen sciencey things. There's um, there's various apps that you can use um, to tag and record litter. Personally, I'm not um, I'm not a big one for that because it means you've got to have your phone with you and you know. So um, I, I like the storytelling side of things. I like you know we do little reports, um, rep you know, reporting what we did. Mm, I, yeah, just. I don't know do it go for it have fun yeah. Make, we, yeah we're looking at sort of press releases as well so it can be you know she is going to be the youngest ever speaker at the world retail congress which i guess is well, pretty, well, she's going to be on great, the same stage yeah. as the ceo of, of, as primark and mango so yeah it's, it's you know, i mean it's a there's, big thing. there's one thing there's there, there are obviously you know parallels to to greta and to we, there's a um there's a young woman near uh in dublin called flossie and 
she oh, yeah. uh, she does she does a lot of stuff and a lot of media appearances and she runs a lot of initial beach cleans with schools and all sorts of things and it's i think you have to um i mean i i i said to them when i first met them i said you know do you have something that is replicable so that it doesn't all hang on you and your personality and you mm-hmm. and i mean the thing i like about well, i mean have I mentioned Picker Pals before? Um, yeah, what's Picker Pals again? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a program for primary school children that motivates them to go out and take care of their neighbourhoods through a song and story world. But the thing I like about Picker Pals is that it's it's the replicability of it, and also the fact that yeah, okay, pa- Patrick is I found in Picker Pals, yay! But if I was run over tomorrow, Picker Pals would be grand. In fact, probably quite improved um so it doesn't depend upon me so i think just be a little bit uh my advice would be to think of something that's not about your daughter mm-hmm. i mean for her to think of something that's not about her but is a is some sort of thing that can be replicating the action that you're looking for oh, um, what, what, whatever that is because you know your daughter is not going to want to be you know she's not going to want to be or maybe she does want to be a sort of a spokesperson. And these spokespeople, are, uh, I think they're quite important, but you want to have systems. I mean, what's bro- the, the thing that's broken with the world is the systems that we have created. And yeah. so it's systems, it's systems that's going to solve this. Um, it's, you know, people are, are all very well, but it's clever systems that are going to get us out of this. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think personality driven. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know quite what I'm saying, really. But I think, yeah, it's, it's, you're right, though. It isn't, you know, so the, the campaign, the, the aim of the campaign is to, to basically encourage people to go litter picking and to get out there and, and do litter picking. There's, you know, there's a number, there's a target, there's a goal, basically, yeah. so the campaign can have something to aim towards. But um it is fundamentally just to get people to go out and litter pick and yes there is the whole logging it thing but that's done at the end that's not done as you go you know you go out there you yeah. take a picture and you know you, you log what you've picked up um that is something yeah. i do every day which it com- becomes a habit uh and yeah that so so that idea of it, it will be the the campaign will be her saying this and there will be these different you know go and do your five minute blitz or do your hot spot pick or something like that yeah all these different challenges to get people involved but i think that's lovely i think that's really clever and nice yeah i i like i like that stuff um because then everyone who does their hot spot blitz or their whatever their five minute blitz that's their five minute blitz it's not exactly uh, it's not ali's five minute blitz who isn't ali great kind of i'm sure ali is great but it's not what it's about. It's, it's about the, well, exactly. Yeah. It's not about her. That's the whole thing, and and she's she's well aware of that as well. She's um, she's she's remarkably humble, um, which is fantastic. Uh, hopefully, I don't have to teach her to be humble. But no, she she doesn't. She, she's like this isn't. It's not about me. It's about the litter, and it's about getting people to to pick up the litter. And if if I can encourage more people to do it, then great. Because litter picking was what started her in her addiction to environmentalism you know it was yeah it was her gateway drug to environmentalism the fact that that she started out going and doing these litter picks and and joined kids against plastic and you know she's only nine you know but still yeah. it, it feels like you know we've been doing litter picks now for 
for two or three years and she feels like something of a veteran you know she can explain to her mates at school why why you should do it why should you go and do a litter pick you know and yeah. there isn't that you know the, the thing that that always would get me as a teacher if you know there's a bit of paper on the floor or something and you'd say to Bebe you'd say Bebe can you pick up that piece of paper please um, and he'd say great alliteration Harry um, but he'd then say <laughs> it's not my piece of paper teacher or I didn't throw it on the floor teacher and once you start litter picking you don't really look at litter in that way of it being not yours because no it isn't my litter but it is my planet um, and it would yeah. be nice if it looked nice Alternatively, you look at all litter as if it, as it, as if it is yours, mm -hmm. uh, which is great, you know, because then you know you've no shortage of litter and it's all yours. Well, yeah, maybe you uh, didn't put it there, but you you can be the one who picks it up. Yeah, um, which again, and and you know, you can look at all these things in so many different ways, and they all connect up with other things that you're doing in in other ways. So. I think the interconnectedness of all the the ideas you have, and when you tie it in with other bits of your life, um, you know, for me it was that connect. For me, you know, the big jump or the big sort of bridge was between my writing course books and litter. So, yeah. um, you know, that's that. You know, then that has developed into you know now we're doing a project with. Uh, people who've just come out of prison making litter pickers out of different types of wood uh sort of this have that, that are biodegradable pickers and then making bags for them out of sails and you know so it there's loads of different dots being joined up um those are creating a whole ecosystem of fun things and, and interesting things so as you say it's not it's not really about the litter it's about how you're going about stuff and it ties in with creativity. It ties in with uh, teamwork. It also great for confidence building or um, other sort of wellness. Um, yeah, it's, it really it, is it's because it's fun. that moment where the, the confidence side of things. Somebody's done something good. You know, they've. Yeah. They, yeah. If you pick up litter, you have done something good. I've mentioned yeah. that before, and you want to talk about the good things that you do, even if you're a yeah. shy person. You know. It, as a child, you want to be like, you know, number one, this tooth is loose. Number two, look, I just picked up a whole bag full of litter on my way to school. You know, aren't, yeah. aren't I great? Yeah. And it's a very, it's a very inclusive, um, it's a, it's an inclusive thing that, you know, you don't have to be good at maths. You don't have to be athletic. You don't have to, you know, you just um, have to my, my, my favorite person to go litter picking with is, is my friend Ben, who is... Uh, who was actually run over by a train when he was five years old and oh, wow. was seriously brain damaged and physically uh, has severe physical sort of damage from this thing. He's 30 years old now and he'd pick forever and he loves every single thing he picks up and we have a great time and we have a big laugh whenever we go out litter picking. Um, so litter picking is terrific for, for everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. It, it really is. Um, and I can't think of a of a better way to, to end our chat. I can't believe it's gone so fast. I mean, obviously, the first three minutes, nobody could hear anything. But, um, <laughs> but since then, the, 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 the following hour and, and 25 minutes, I, I don't know where it's gone. I don't know how it's gone there. 
um, but it has gone and we are running very low on time. So I'm going to thank you very much for coming along, Patrick. Um, well, thank you, Harry, and great uh, good luck to Ali on, on her big uh, expedition and talk, and I'm sure she'll be absolutely brilliant, and as is her father. Oh, so, thank you so much. I will make sure all of the details of how people can get in touch with you are are in the description when, when this is published tomorrow um, yes. for, for the world to see. But before that, would you like to tell people how they can find you and where they can find you? Well, Pickapals is in 2,000 schools in Ireland now, and we're looking to make connections with people in other countries. We've got some schools in London, we've got some schools in Portugal, and I'm, we have Pickapals TV on YouTube, you can check that out. But yeah, through Instagram, Twitter, my email is patrick at pickapalsworld.org. Um, yeah, give us a shout. There's, there's always something, that there's always some fun to be had. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I'd love to, love to hear from anyone. And on that note, I'm going to say thank you very much. And I will speak to you, no doubt, very, very soon. Adieu. Adieu. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Harry. Thanks a minute. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I'm going to be off for a couple of weeks, um, but I will be back on May the 3rd speaking to none other than Tom Jones. Now, is it that Tom Jones? You're just going to have to tune in on the 3rd of May to find out. And don't forget, if you're listening back, if you're listening to this on a podcast, jump in there and give us a review. Obviously, it's going to be a five-star review. Of course it is, because Teachers Talk Radio is amazing. So thank you so much for being here, everybody, today. Um, I will be back in a couple of weeks, and take it easy. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.